Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen and Blues Journo Will Rooney to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. On this week's show, Civil War. As the end game is reached for Pompey's season, we deliver the very, very latest insights on the path forward for League One. Fratton Love, as Stephen Henderson becomes the latest former Blues player to open up on his deep feeling for the club, we ask, is Portsmouth really a special place to be? And Irish Gem, we trial the latest scouting packages to reveal the next Ronan Curtis who Kenny Jackett should be signing. We're now available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, so give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Welcome to Pompey Talk, uh, where you join us in these crazy times, talk of points per game and unweighted points per game and even eight-team mini-tournaments. It's become truly become a, a carnival of the bazaars I've just written. I mean, what, how, do you, how do you make it, what's happening at the moment, lads, with, with uh, Neil Allen and Will Rooney today? To start with you, Neil, what, what's your take on things as, as things stand? Well, this time last week, it looked like it was all over. It looked like no games, no playoffs, season null and void, didn't it? And then obviously the, the Football League had their meeting and suddenly there was a, a positive um, air about the, the divisions, weren't there? Especially Pompey. And uh, from the back of that, suddenly we're, we're quietly confident there's going to be some games, uh, perhaps just two at least in the playoffs. But it looks like they're coming back to football of, of some kind. And, uh, uh, well, in a month or so's time, isn't it? So we've still got a wait to come. But uh, if you want football to come back this season, it's looking a little more positive. Well, it's um, different stories around football at the moment, even within the EFL. We've seen what's happened with, with League Two. And, mm. and um, as, as Mark Catlin saying, perhaps that the uh, League Two falling in line with the National League and, and the Premier League and Championship aligned. But that kind of leaves League One in a neverworld, really, where it seems pretty divided at the moment. It was interesting, that, that comment, wasn't it? And I think he was spot on, to be fair to him. I mean, because you've got almost like he, he, he used a, an analogy of a pla- an elastic band. And it's the same in League One, isn't it? You've got, almost got an elastic band inside an elastic band because by all accounts, the, the top ends of the League One want to finish the season. Maybe Bar Rotherham, who seems to be keeping pretty quiet, <laughs> and Coventry as well, haven't put a lot out. And you've obviously got the bottom clubs like like Accrington and, and Shrewsbury, who... who I haven't got a lot of lots to play for. Obviously, one down the bottom of Tramia, we do don't want to see a uh, wasted or unwasted points per game because that would see them go down. So they want they'd rather see null and void. So it is just so interesting how it's all going to play out. And obviously, everyone's got opinion, and every every club at the end of the day is looking after their best interests. And you can't blame them for that because it's about sustainability and sustaining jobs at the end of the day. But what comes of it? God knows there's going to be so many different options that you'd imagine are going to be around the table aren't there, when, when, when the clubs re-meet, hopefully at the end of this week. Yeah, EFL board meeting, we're speaking on, on Wednesday, Neil. EFL board meeting today, probably some sort of conclusion Thursday, Friday. Where do you see it headed at the moment? Well, as, as Will said, there's obviously people are looking after uh, their own interests, quite rightly so, isn't it? Um, yeah to the point of we're talking about a mini tournament involving clubs like Ipswich who are giving up on the playoffs even. Suddenly now they're uh, 
Peterborough, who were finishing the season strongly, let's not let's not ignore that. Uh, and they were out the playoffs as well. So um, it look it looks like that. I mean, Mark Callan said himself on Talksport Radio yesterday that it, it's it's tilting towards the season being cancelled, but mm. going into playoffs. That's what it's looking at at the moment, unless the clubs change their stance in the next few days, which means the playoffs. And the playoffs, it really, it looks like at the moment being four teams, which is quite right, really. Uh, there's, there's too many variables to having a, a tournament and whatnot. And do you include Coventry? Do you include Rotherham? So uh, <laughs> it could well go the same path as, as, as League Two. And obviously, that they sorted out quite quickly because uh, it wasn't as close in the battle for the playoffs. It was Port Vale, wasn't it? And maybe it was Stretch Bradford. And Port Vale mm. offered to step, step down. So, it's uh, yeah, the activity is a lot more fervent in this division. And, uh, uh, and it doesn't help with Peter uh, owner talking about suing people <laughs> and all sorts, does it really? So, uh, <laughs> that's why the way it's looking. But you just don't know. Because, again, this time last week, it did look like nothing would be happening whatsoever. Now, there will be some sort of games, I, I feel, on the table. I mean, John, yeah. it was obviously you broke the story about sort of the, the mini-tournament might not get off the ground. Sort of elaborate a little bit more on that for, for viewers. Sure. Um, well, ostensibly, uh, you're going to have, I mean, from my view and what it was pointing towards, obviously Pompey in favour of seeing the season out and, and a week ago suggesting that with, with the six-strong collective. But in, in, in the face of, of the season being finished I thought it would be and still do top two go up next four for the for the playoffs to be completed at some point and relegating a greyer area uh, because we, we don't don't see we've seen what's happening in league two there so this notion then came up and and for me it's it's from and certainly what was the noises that were being made to me and, and probably it's just pretty obvious why would the, the teams that are, have earned a playoff place then openly invite another four teams in it, 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 it does. Why would they do yeah. why, why are they going to vote for that? It, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I know Darren McAntony, they've got to fight for their corner and, and, and that's the way they're doing it. Sunderland jump on board. But I could just about understand it. If they stopped the season at this point and didn't take into account any further game, games and they said, right, OK, I could just about understand the logic in, in doing it in that case. But if you're going to decide on a manner of, of the out, just on the outcome of the season, i.e. points per game, whether you believe it to be a, a decent way of deciding the outcome to the season or not, you are then seeing the season to a conclusion. So then why would you open it up to another four teams? It's, we're living in crazy times. I get there's no ideal outcome to this, but that, that just seems an outlandish and, and bizarre, bizarre notion. Unless they need their vote to keep the league season from being null and void completely. And, and it's a way of getting their vote to... Uh, at least have something because a lot of clubs don't even want to play, do they? Let's face it. And you can mm. understand that. They've got nothing to play for. Why mid-table mediocrity? What's the point of coming back? They, what's the point of unfurlowing uh, players to pay them again? Um, mm. that, that's the issues they've got, some clubs. So perhaps it's a way of uh, winning their vote over by saying, look, you know, come in the playoffs and uh, we'll get your vote and the season can continue in some form. Well, that's... that's, that's... Going to be, there's going to be a lot of lobbying going on. There's going to be a lot of uh, Machiavellian conversations taking place between clubs in the coming days. Um, I mean, that's probably why the, the, you saw the um, statement come out 
last Thursday from the teams that want to see the season to a conclusion. I think they felt that they might get railroaded into an indicative vote on the Friday meeting. So they came out on the front foot to try and knock that off. So you're going to see these twists and turns. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Mark Catlin out on the front foot, isn't he? He's here, there and everywhere. He's been great with us all the way through, but lots of national media. And now I think you're going to see that. A lot of this happening in the coming days. Just even speaking to Will before we came on, I, I turned the story around about Mark Palios, who's mm. coming out and, and, and saying his line on it for Tranmere. They, they, want, they want the season voided, which you understand. Then, and then, then Sunderland <laughs> as well. Sunderland, I mean, you're going to see all these teams pushing their cause now, aren't you? What are Sunderland saying then? Sunderland have said basically he needs to finish on the <laughs> on the pitch. He needs to play out the remaining the remaining games. And yeah, sort of what was it? I've got it got it in front of me now. It was it was quite it was a, certainly a forceful statement. Like what what they've issued. Um, yeah, let me have a look. Uh, well, while you while you having a look, I saw, the, the, I saw the quote came from Rodwell at, um, at Sunderland. I thought they'd been trying to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, the quote isn't. He's called Jim Rodwell, the chief exec, called on the AFL to show professionalism and obligation uh, that comes with its historic status. So, I mean, the source of basically the AFL, the putting it to him, basically saying, "Well, this is a professional competition. You need to take it seriously, and it can't be decided on a on a point per game man. It needs to be." Decided how it should be when we all signed up for it, which, which it is interesting. What, what, go on, Neil. What are they going to do about relegation? Because, let's face it, South yeah. End deserve to go down. They've been terrible. Mm. They've given up as well, haven't they? You know, they've been, they've been releasing players and signing anyone. They deserve to go down. They do not yeah. deserve to be saved with a null and void. Uh, Bolton obviously had the massive points deduction at the start of the season, so they were always going to have a battle to stay up. Uh, I wouldn't say they deserve to go down in, in respect of how poor they were. But mm. it's still going to be the outcome, presumably. So those two clubs are going to go down. They have to go down. You can't keep them up, can you? Surely, if you're not avoiding the season. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I, I, we've had this conversation that the, the, the kind of precedent was set with with League Two with no relegation, and, and early on it looked like there would be teams promoted and no relegation all the way along through, through, the, through the, the four divisions and, and more teams in the Premier League, and then a, mm. and then a realignment. Now the reason for that. Why that was being spoken at the time is because people felt that there would be so many legal, it'd be a legal minefield if you relegated teams without on an incomplete season or even points per game. Now, the further you go down, the, the less revenue there is at clubs, you're more likely, I suppose, at the lower levels for them to fall in line with a decision. Maybe they haven't got the financial power yeah. to, to, to fight um, you know, a relegation, etc., which maybe teams in the championship have. So... Yeah, it's 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 murky, isn't it? And there's, there's no no obvious def, definitive outcomes. But where where would you say if you if you're next on the line at the moment, where would you say? Would you say two up and, and four in the playoffs? I, I think it's looking like that. But I mean, I, I just keep coming back. If if this mini tournament was to get off, which we don't, which it's unlikely it will, but a club's going to say Shrewsbury want to end the season. We know that Aston want to end the season to appease some of them, like Peterborough and. Like your hip switches, maybe could they turn around and think, you know what, just to appease them, if we if it means that our season is done and we're not going to lose any more money, can, should we just vote for that? Is it the lesser two evils? But then, is that going to be able to, to happen? Like, are the EFL going to allow that? It's, it's just, as you say, murky waters is the way to sum it up, isn't it? Yeah, well, we should say as well that the, 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 the line from Portsmouth and, and actually the EFL is that they, you know, the season should be decided when when it's safe to do so 
And mm. the safety, the safety, I don't see a problem with the safety. I don't, you know, Pompeian being seen, the concern that they've been seen as rebels. But surely, the, the, you know, we've seen with the Bundesliga increasingly the testing in the Premier League now, um, that, that the, the season should be safe enough to be concluded. Surely it's financial that, uh, that the issues that come up come into play more, more in the EFL. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting tested twice a week, then another test, and obviously our colleague Ben Fishwick asked the, asked the daily uh, briefing yesterday that testing results take on a while, etc. But I mean, you'd expect it's going to be private testing, that they're going to get the results fairly quickly in 48 to 72 hours, like they did after you were tested after the Arsenal game, the Pompey players, if anyone's got it, then they're going to be, they're going to be sent into self-isolation. Um, for me... Is it a real risk in terms of safety going to, to, to playing now? Is it if you're getting tested twice a week, temperature tests, a, yeah. all sorts? It's <laughs> the safest Barton place to be, surely. It. Exactly, Joey Barton <laughs> said it's the safest place to be. So, I'd certainly rather I'd rather be there than in Sainsbury's trying to do my weekly shop. That's for sure. Yeah. Or, 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 <laughs> or, or actually, the North the test goes in caution. Which well, that was <laughs> I, can, I can tell you that that was a I'm, no man's I'm, land. I'm just I'm just looking at Ipswich, right? Ipswich are tenth in the table at the moment. Uh, they they have lost the last four successive games. <laughs> they are seven points off the playoffs, having played a game more. Hmm. Yet they they are behind Wickham and Doncaster, having played two games more. Yet they are seen as being worthy of being in this mini tournament business. It's crazy, isn't it? Really yeah, is. I, I think Gillingham would have something to say about that as well. Didn't they go above? Them well, yeah, well, well, precisely. <laughs> Gillingham, are, Gillingham are a point behind them with a game in hand. Yeah. Well, so why should Ipswich be considered? I, I don't. It's, and the rest. Uh... Of... Incredibly tight. You're looking from eighth. Uh, eighth, eighth place is three points behind second. And mm. that's the issue Pompey have got and the clubs have got in this division. It is mm. so tight and it really could change weekend by weekend. Uh, and uh, that's why there's so many clubs involved and in one they can't quite reach a conclusion at the moment. Uh, even Rotherham, who are second place, two, uh-huh. two points above Pompey, their running is horrendous. They're playing all the top teams for their running. So yeah. don't don't expect them to want to play the season anymore. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's precisely it. Pompey go to Rotherham. They all right. They haven't been the best in the roles this season, but they go to Rotherham. They nick a win and they leapfrog them. So it's just this is the permutation. They can change every week wherever you can be. You could be second one week, you get beat the next weekend. You could drop out of the playoffs. It's that tight, as you say. Yeah, what well, we've had a, a Portsmouth perspective on this in the last few days. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you first because uh, you had you were chatting with Kenny, weren't you, uh, this week? What, what was what was his move? Was he diplomatic as ever? I dare say, as ever. Yeah, I mean, you ask him sort of. You put it to him. Would you feel aggrieved if Coventry and Rotherham do go for some actually? <laughs> you know, Kenny Jack comes out and says you just have to get on with it. That's that's what the league table looks like and. That's we were in the playoffs when when this happens and it's an unprecedented thing. So you just got to accept it. And to be fair to Kenny, I mean, he isn't one to, to grumble, is he? He's not one to to kick up a fuss about anything. He, he does sort of see the greater the greater picture mm. of things. And, and mm. you know, it's a global pandemic that's affected every country in the world virtually. So he accepts that this is just how it's going to be. And you know, he's probably looking and thinking, well. We could not be in the playoffs. There could be could have been a solution where 
it was null and voices or it was on wasted points for games to be out of the playoffs. So he's probably thinking, you know what, this is probably not a bad situation for us to be in. And he accepts it. And it's by the sounds of things, he's happy with how, how the lads have been training and how the players have been keeping themselves fit. And he reckons they're all still focused because, you know, he, he just speaks to them quite a lot still, doesn't he? So, I mean, going into a playoffs, he sounds like he's he's quite confident where the players are in terms of the fitness levels and the folks at the minute, which it obviously does bode well if they, if they do go into that, that, that little playoff that might happen. Yeah, Kenny's happy with, with, with the players. I certainly wasn't happy with that draw against Coventry earlier in the season now and those drop points, that's, what, that's for sure. Uh, but um, with Gareth Evans, who you caught up with, with Neil, there's, there's you know, a, a player's take on, on things as well and a particular sort of reference to the seminal moment, which was the Mikel Arteta testing positive. Yeah, reflecting on that game because... It changed the season, didn't it? When that news broke, suddenly football stopped, didn't it, in this country? And uh, the watershed moment, such, wasn't it? And uh, uh, Gaz Evans uh, shook his hand, didn't it, at the Arsenal game. Uh, he was probably captain of the night. And then um, several players shook his hand, by all accounts. And uh, Gareth Evans, thankfully, did not te- test positive. But uh, it, it, a lot of it comes back to that game, isn't it? Um, for Pompey, the fact that five Pompey players later test positive, isn't it? A week later, um, I was saying to him, it's it's always Pompey, isn't it? It's always Pompey, and uh, <laughs> um, publicly we are aware that Pompey, the club that's been most affected by coronavirus because of those five positive tests so early on, and it had to be Pompey who played Arsenal as well in recent weeks, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> it, it's it's always Pompey involved, isn't it? And, and I know there's other clubs, and I know other clubs perhaps couldn't were unable to test players or have not publicly released the findings but uh, in terms of public knowledge Pompey have been affected by coronavirus more than any other club in this country simply mm. because it's Pompey <laughs> <laughs> it's Pompey I like that note um, there's a human side to all of this as well though isn't there because Portsmouth as, as a group of players we're told and, and all the signs are they are broadly supportive of a, a return to training with the assurance of uh, it being safe enough to do so and there's been talk of a, an opt-out policy but if you're Gareth Evans and you've just had a just become a father for the first time of it you know your wife was heavily pregnant through this this whole narrative and now you've got a young child John Marcus got a young child they've mm-hmm. got legitimate surely they've got legitimate concerns because I would if I, about returning to training and, and, and going in when, I, when I've got a young family you got the Troy Deeney situation, haven't you, where he said that he doesn't want to come and play at the moment because he doesn't feel it's safe. Um, then you, with him, you've got the argument, well, if he's, he feels that way, fair enough, but he can't be paid then, can he, surely? No, no, but that's the thing, isn't it? And that's a whole, whole other issue because the uh, DCMS issued a guidance and they said that players should be able to opt out without any fear of recourse. Now, surely, I think clubs, clubs and the Premier League, we've heard spokesmen uh, they've, they've indicated to journalists that they, they wouldn't be happy with, with players being paid in that situation. And I bet there's a lot of club owners that would, would agree with them. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's, it was a big debate as well in the last few days, hasn't it? But um, I think we can appreciate Dean's stance. But if you're being paid that amount of money in the current climate and you're not complaining at the moment uh, because of your decision, I think it's only fair that you should uh, offer to not be paid. He's not yeah. playing. So, um, yeah, it's, there's, there's all these sort of things going on. And I, I appreciate the players and understand it because, um, for me, you can only be 100% sure 
you're not going to catch on the football pitch if you test the players on the morning of the game and get the results on the morning of the game. Mm. And as it stands, you can't get results that quickly, can you? So how do you know players going into a game are clear of coronavirus? You don't. You can't mm-hmm. be 100% sure. And then you lead into that, leads into the whole debate about, okay, there's no certainty, but there's probably no certainty around this, this, this issue in any form at some point. And we've heard it, Mark Catlin say, do you have to take a leap of faith, Will? I think you do. I think just for society in general, I mean, you know, lockdown, we were locked down rightly so to protect the NHS and obviously that's been dealt with now. Um, for, as you say, the leap of faith and getting back to some sort of normality. I know it's not, you know, it's wrong to say football and, you know, I think it was Dominic, was it Dominic Rab who came out, you know, one of the MPs, who yeah. said, let's get back to normal, but, you know, football shouldn't be the, the cannon fodder as such, but, it's one it's one facet to, to what normal life is going to football or at least watching the football on the telly and that's what people want to get back to is is what, just watching the club and, and, and watching the thing that they love. I've seen out the Bundesliga it's often to come a crumpet, but it's not the same as following your team, is it? So to get back to normality as Mark Catton says, we've got to have, a, have some sort of a leap of faith to to just get over this because there might not be a vaccine for years. What happens if there isn't a vaccine mm. for years? No. Are we going to stay like this for years? We can't. We can't. Unfortunately, we can't let a, um, a virus like this dictate what's what's going to happen. We can't. We need to get back to some sort of normality. So I think that that is right. If the testing's in place, yeah, you're right, Neil. If a test, if you could find a test that finds your results in an hour or something, you get to the stadium, you get tested, you're all social distance, right? No one's got it. Great. We're all fine to, to play if they found something like that, yeah. then that'll be the perfect solution, wouldn't it? But as you say, that's the that's the uncertainty of it. But you've just got to, you know, a lot of them have got young families, but a lot some of them like like their own cases, say Andy Cannon, Tom Naylor, you know, Ronald Case has got a kid in Ireland, doesn't live with them, they'd be fine if they got it. Andy Cannon's mm. added, they've recovered fine. So if they did get it, it wouldn't be detrimental. So I think, yeah, for me, it, some some at some point we will have to get back to normality and I think football is one way albeit not not making them the, the scapegoats in, in this situation How yeah. would players get to games as well at the games so would you get every player going to Sunderland perhaps mm. in a car on their own and then do you, mm. surely, surely you have to stay overnight in a hotel um, there, there's, yeah. but again you've got to be careful yeah so you can't have a players going up all on a flight together, all on a bus together, or at all. They would have to go separately, wouldn't they? That's what they're doing in Germany, isn't it? They um, is it? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, not up to speed with the very latest, but they were talking about uh, the idea of what two players get together. They all have to. They were either have to travel in separately, um, and yeah, try and just. Do, it's trying to make it as sterile as humanly possible, isn't it? It's a bit like with the training scenario, isn't it? They, they need to make the sterile areas now. Can you do that to to a one hundred percent you know degree? Doubtful, isn't it? It's doubtful you can do that. But mm. I think the, the desire is to make it as safe as possible. And I guess I, I just can't. I, I keep coming back to the fact that I think football is probably one of the safest places to be. Then I think they're, they're mm-hmm. certain than the rest of the, the the world that are trying to move back to normality. And um, even like you know, if you go and do your weekly shop, that you you got go about your business, you tend to start encountering more dangers now I think and the other argument is as, as a nation as a society 
we need football. Yeah. Because we need, we need something to occupy our, our attention, something to lift us. You've seen the amount of excitement people are getting there with watching German football. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, the, the, last, the last week or so. We, we, we need something. And I know people that don't quite understand it who don't like the football or don't understand football. But, but we need something because there's, there's not a lot of things to look forward to at the moment, is there? Mm-hmm. Nothing. That's what... That's why the uh, government were, were so keen on that. I can tell you, there was, I thought a lot of people had jumped on the fact that football wasn't the same in the Bundesliga. I'm not having that. On Saturday, for the first time, in God knows how long, I put the TV on, I watched Schalke versus Dortmund, I got a beer, I enjoyed yeah. myself. The missus was out <laughs> in the kitchen. I was away from the missus for the first time in about three months. It was great. I, I, I thought it was absolutely bloody fantastic. It was brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, the, on ITV Saturday afternoon, they were replaying England Cameroon in the 1990 World Cup. Uh, and my son sat down to watch it, and he's football mad at the age of nine. And he, he just said to me, he goes, Oh, it's great to watch football again. Hmm. Even, oh, even replay, even replays. Um, and it was a highlights thing as well. And uh, it, so right. it, was, it, it, it was a good old game as well, that one. And uh, just things like that. We, we miss football, and we need football to just give us a lift or something, don't we? And. Um, because we've been we've been like this for what nine weeks now. Feels like that, isn't it? Nine months. Was it March the tenth for the last game, wasn't it? So I think we get towards ten. Even ten. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah we, so we just just need something to invigorate us, isn't it? It's it's um, you can only go on so many walks, can't you? And things. It's just, it's what, we want to watch something. They're, they're even cutting down on episodes of Coronation Street at the moment because they're stretching them out. So we're being deprived of two two episodes of Corey on one night. So uh, and Emma Dale as well. I know. Yeah, and it's really going to run out of the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't really watch Corey anymore, but Emma Dale. Oh, yeah, no. I thought you were obsessed oh. with Corey. No, it went downhill. The, the, the storyline started doing me in, so I. Uh, well, when Pat Feeling left. Yeah, when Pat Feeling was, I, I sort of switched my allegiances to uh, the other side of the Pennines. I want to oh, see what happens what? to Jeff in, in, in Corey if he's going to get his comeuppance, <laughs> if they filmed it or not. I don't know. <laughs> How's Beth Gilroy getting on in the road? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they are all gone about filming the soaps again, but they can't have the old ones back on the set, so what's, what's going to happen with them? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we need to we need yeah. to, to give us a, a, a lift as well, and, and as, yeah, it's been quite a kind of serious narrative this whole cold coronavirus thing. But we've we've had actually in terms of our coverage, we've had a good lift from players, former players, all the way through this, haven't we? Some great stories coming out. You're keeping head of sport Mark McMahon happy with the hits, aren't we? Especially your stories, <laughs> Neil. Um, and we've had some good ones this week. Stephen Henderson's come up this week with some cracking lines, Neil, hasn't he? The thing is, I'm. Well, what it, it always amazes me, perhaps it's the wrong word, amaze, but how, how former Pompey players or Pompey players who have been at the club, how they, they become so emotionally attached to it and they speak to it in such high regard. And, and I know other clubs will think the same, but genuinely, uh, a lot of players are gutted to leave this football club and they retain a lifelong affection for it. Stephen Henderson was at Pompey for 28 games in total. And if you read his story about when he was here, first spell and second spell, it's heartbreaking, really, because he loves the club. You know, the best moment of his life, he said. Uh, I spoke to Sean Derry yesterday. Nothing but wonderful things to say about Pompey, Sean Derry. And he played it for a number of clubs for a, a number of years and games. And, 
uh, and you speak to so many of these guys and it's 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 the highlight of their careers uh regardless of how successful they get the time is uh, as a club um and um it's just so heartening to hear that because um you know some of that cup final squad they've been in gone they don't care about pompey you know can't no. can't even get the chat right can he oh. um <laughs> Play on, play on, Pompey. Pompey, play on. But uh, but it's say it's always heartening to hear the, the, the affection players have for the football club because they don't have to enjoy the time here. They don't have to love the place. They don't have to get an emotional attachment. But it, it's great to hear when they do. And you contact them. Can you talk about Pompey? Yeah, Derek Sean Derry said, "Oh, it'd be a great pleasure to talk about Pompey. What a football club!" He said. And he's talking about Barry Harris and uh, he's talking about Kev the kit man, you know, and he says, oh, you know, 15 years after I left, I came back and they were still there and it's great to see them again. And that's what makes Pompey such a special football club. And every time you speak to these people, which we've been doing late, they all seem to have been through Pompey at Pompey at crazy times in the club's existence. It's like, oh well, yeah, pretty much all, all of Pompey's recent existence has been totally off the wall, isn't it? <laughs> well, that, yeah, exactly. Sean Derry, yeah. Okay, Sean Derry, tell me about the late Norwich game. Tell me about Prosnecki having a fag. Tell me about yeah. Yoshi. Tell me about yeah. Barnsley last game staying up. Um, there's so many. Tell me about the Barnsley four all. Mm. Um, just, just so many ridiculous games. Like, t- tell me about Harry Redknapp taking Ricks's job and, and all sorts. It's, it's just so many things going on, and then the players can look back and laugh really. And uh, as, as Stephen Henderson, Stephen Henderson uh, went three months without being paid, and he was um, at Pompey, uh, and he he turned down the chance to go to Ipswich, even mm. though he wasn't getting paid because he loved being at the club so much. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing, and and he's been to, and he says he's been to worse clubs in terms of circuses since, uh, and he just looks back at Pompey with so much affection, and uh, and again, what I was saying earlier on about the coronavirus, Pompey is a club that attracts these sort of things happening to it, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And the players do generate an affection. Jeb Wallace the other week, Ricky Holmes, you know, they're not local lads; they, they love the time at the football club, don't they? Um, mm. So it's, it's a special place, without doubt. And I know everyone at all the football clubs will say the same, but Pompey genuinely is. And if you don't believe it, ask the players. Yeah, yeah, I remember. But don't ask Ben Oyim. Don't ask Ben Oyim and Luar Luar. And don't ask Defoe. Don't ask Defoe either. Uh, well, I remember with Sean Derry. I don't know if he got this line out of him. I'd, I'd be surprised if he did. But they, when the day um, Rick's was sacked, they all went round Rick's house, didn't they? And, uh, and had a big party. Yeah. And Red that was coming in. Did you remember the song Neil that they sang, or did he get no? Was, uh, no, was there was a song sang about uh, Harry Redknapp by the players at the time, and all I can say is it involved Harry uh, Redknapp's name and uh, a stronger term for a, a lady's genitalia, shall we say? And it was uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were saying Redknapp was one of those one of those, and uh, yeah, I can remember. Well, well Redknapp didn't do Redknapp didn't do too bad in the next season, did he? In fairness, that that, but, uh, that, that was but, yeah. A, yeah, but Rick's was Rick's was massively popular among the players. He really, really was. And um, uh, and Gary O'Neill tells a story about him, Limboy, Lee Bradbury went out for a meal with Graham Rick's about a week after being sacked. And um, mm. and Gary O'Neill started calling Graham Rick's Graham, and he turned around to him. He goes, "You don't call me Gaffer anymore now about the sack, do you?" And, and, and Gary goes, "Sorry." And Graham goes, "I'm always your Gaffer." 
you can always just call me Gaffer. And, and, so, <laughs> and so from that point on, Gary O'Neill was always called him Gaffer because he said he didn't realise the protocol. But apparently the protocol is even when a manager leaves, you don't use Gaffer. their first name, you continue to call them Gaffer. And yeah. he was unaware of that. And uh, we've seen that recently when, when Jim Smith passed away. Uh, so many players, when you ask them to speak to about him, always call him, still to this day, Gaffer. Gaffer. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic emotions. Will, I'm just before we wrap up, we're running out of time, but I want to hit you because I think you've either been on Wire Scout or you've been doing your homework. I've seen you look to the Irish players and uh, Pompey fans love these the tidbits about these young prospects that you, you're finding for us. What, 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 was that, what, was it, what was all that about? Yeah, it was the same sort of something we've been doing, hasn't it? Sort of as a company, sort of looking at escapism and just just looking at really what could happen for Pompey in the future and just having a little bit of a have a bit of a look around. So yeah, well, we've obviously looked at sort of free agents in League One, Championship, League Two and non league and you know, obviously with the success of own cases and you know, we thought we'd have a look at the Irish lads. And yeah, a lot of it was waistcoats, a lot of it was looking around and looking at newspapers or, you know, just stories on websites and what with five of them, who, who, you know, Pompey aren't going to have a big budget in the summer, and if they can find another gem like Roman Cases, if if they are going to pay a nominal fee for for a player, then then you know you'd want them to have the same impact as Roman Cases had. He's, he's certainly overachieved, hasn't he? Given that he paid up hundred grand for him, big gamble at the time. So yeah, I had a look at a few of these. I mean, they're probably the one highlight that I like to look up when I had a look at a few of his highlights and. I'd look at stats was Daniel Mandrio. I think it's pronounced there at Bohemians. I mean, he looks a player. He was at Brighton for years. Didn't get a look in. Went back to to Ireland. Uh, Fourteen goals and thirty four outings last season in a PF Irish PFA young young player of the year and in the team of the year. I mean, for a twenty year old to to be given those to be given those honours, it's it's some feat no matter what league that you're playing in. So I mean. Pompey needs to, you know, an attack on midfield to do mice not fetch a massive fee. I'd certainly, certainly have a, have, have, the, uh, have a look at him if, if any fans are scratching around wondering what to do during lockdown or if the furloughs. You want to have a look at his highlight. Really, he looks a, a serious player. Does Wise Scout uh, also detail what their mums are like? Because uh, we could do with another <laughs> Marie Curtis, can we? He's we a legend. Do, yeah. Marie Curtis is a legend. If anyone's got a mum like that to come across as well to Pompey, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil, well, Phil Boardman's been furloughed, so I think, think Will's kind of staking his claim here, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, listen, lads, uh, we're, still in, we're, we're still in jobs for another week, so we've got to celebrate that as well. Uh, brilliant. Thanks for joining <laughs> us all, um, and we'll see you again on the next Pompey Talk. 